0: Would you like to exchange best practices and ideas to improve care, enhance operational efficiency, and address financial challenges with your peers? Becker's Healthcare is facilitating these conversations at their 8th Annual Health IT, Digital Health, and RCM meeting. You can check your eligibility for complimentary attendance at the link in the description. We are excited to welcome you in October. This is Laura Deirdo with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. David Flannery. Director of Telegenetics and Digital Genetics at Cleveland Clinic. Dr. Flannery it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today.
1: It's good to be here.
0: And I'm really excited about this discussion because I know that there's so many interesting things happening in the space, and really, I, I'm looking forward to your expertise. But before we dive in, could you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background?
1: Sure, I'm a, a physician, I'm an MD medical geneticist. Uh, that means that, by, you know, a physician who sees patients uh, for genetic uh, conditions or possible genetic conditions. And we work in teams with genetic counselors and uh, see patients uh, for all ages, from before birth to the oldest patient I've seen was like, I think, 84 years old. So we talk about it as being a real family medicine because everybody has genes and we see patients and families.
0: Wow, that's a really great point. And what a fascinating space to be in where you you know can be working with somebody before they're even born and then you know all the way up through old age. So that that's an awesome space to be in. Um, you know, given the genetics and telegenetics, what are some of the big opportunities that you're seeing in that space, especially as the digital technologies come in and then headwinds you have your eye on right now as well?
1: Well, just as background, um, genetics is becoming more and more important part of medicine. And more and more genetic tests become available. And there's the whole vision of precision medicine, which is to use people's genes to guide their treatment. And. Preventive care, etc. The problem is that we have only 1,600 MD geneticists in the country, and we have about 5,000 genetic counselors. This is a very small workforce compared to the need. And so my vision was to use digital tools to increase access for patients to genetic services and to also use them to let practitioners practice at the top of their license. And so, Cleveland Clinic gave me the opportunity to come here in 2018 in order to start implementing that vision. And we've done that here very successfully. We see about 10,000 to 11,000 patients per year in genetics, and currently we're sustaining our use of uh, telemedicine for genetic services at about 45 to 50% of all of our outpatient encounters which is truly uh, wonderful. It saves patients having travel. It saves patients from having to do things like find childcare. It uh, sometimes makes it easy, especially for us seeing patients with behavioral issues like autism. It's actually better to see the patient in their home. It's not just disruptive. And we could do you know pretty good physical exams virtually now. And of course, genetic counseling, is very well suited to virtual care. Other tools we implemented was uh, what we call e-consults. An e-consult is electronic consult uh, from a provider to a provider. And so just for example, yesterday I had two e-consults come in from two different primary care doctors who had concerns about possible genetic uh, problems in their patients or family history of condition, whether it could be genetic. And so they can send this structured email in the electronic health record and ask their questions. And then the consultant like myself or the other members of our virtual team can then look at the patient's record, review the information, give advice, and recommend whether the patient needs to see genetics or whether a certain test would be indicated before they come to see genetics uh, or, in the case of one of the patients yesterday, just tell them how to reassure the family not to worry about a genetic condition. But that's been very good because that sort of like a triage system for genetics. And then the other tool we've implemented has been chatbots. And we've done several chatbot projects in the past that were research that were doing genetic risk stratification and then offering genetic counseling to patients. But uh, we've recently implemented a chatbot that we just created that does pre-test genetic education for patients who've been referred for what we call pharmacogenomic testing. And it's been really excellent. More than 60% of the patients who get refer- have been referred for pharmacogenomic testing uh, when offered the choice of a virtual visit with us versus having the chatbot have chosen the chatbot. And what like this has done, uh, for example, on Tuesday mornings from at the Geomics Clinic, we have four slots. And typically, in the past, before we uploaded the chatbot, uh, about three-quarters of the patients, or sometimes all the patients, would be patients who are being us for pre-test education and making decisions about having testing. But on Tuesday, Two of the patients had done the chatbot that had generated an order that I saw in the electronic health record. They got a test kit shipped to their home. They got a cheek swab sample for their DNA. They shipped it in, and they had results in two weeks, and we were seeing them to go over their results and explain what they need for their medical treatment, drug choices, and things of that sort. And... You're actually the first two people who had have a chatbot, so I'm expecting we'll see more and more patients who've had the chatbot and had testing. And that's an example of us in the pharmacist who works with us practicing higher on your license. Rather than have us be doing like basic education and helping people make an informed decision, we're actually imparting you know important uh, information and making medical recommendations and suggestions to them. We have two other chatbot projects that we're working on developing um, that'll be similar about genetic test information for patients and eventually we'll have an intake chatbot for um, patient referrals that can go through their family history. So all of this is to help improve the uh, access and to help make us uh, more efficient practitioners.
0: I love that. I think you know all the different areas, whether it's on the clinical side or the operational and, and really making things more convenient for patients too, um, is so, so meaningful and definitely adds a lot of value to uh, the patient interaction. Um, from your perspective, how do you see the um, digital genetics and telegenetics really growing to become a larger part of, um, you know, the organization, whether it's from your side or even potentially connecting with other departments and services and, and kind of sharing learnings, what does that look like for you?
1: Well, that gets to another project that we have been trying to get into, the, the uh, PharmD, uh, pharmacogenomics specialist and myself, uh, the and participating in what's called Project Echo. Project Echo is a telementoring program. It was started in um, New Mexico by a specialist who found that he was getting lots of referrals of patients to treat uh, them for hepatitis C. This is because there are like expensive medications for treating that and knowing the ins and outs of it. Disease, as well as the use of the medication, was not something that most primary care physicians are not familiar with. But this uh, clinician realized that he was being overwhelmed with patients who were hepatitis C, and they're sort of filling up his schedule, and other patients were not being able to be seen. So he came up with a brilliant idea of a telementoring program, and he called it Project Echo. And so what he did is he set up a structured telemedicine kind of thing, actually more like um, video conferencing, and they would schedule sessions for ECHO, and providers would sign up, and it would be scheduled at a certain time per month. And providers would all log in, and the expert would talk about hepatitis C and talk about different medications. And then each primary care doctor who signed in would present uh, information about a patient and ask about advice, you know, how they should manage it, what they should do, et cetera. And then the expert would give them advice. And similarly, other uh, primary care providers would present their cases and get advice. And what's most interesting about this is if the success factor was the number of providers who stopped coming to the ECHO sessions because this was evidence that they had learned how to manage the patients. And so, uh, they just changed that model to other disorders. And for us, we really want to have pharmacogenomics uh, be something that all of our hospitals and our clinic system would be able to offer to patients, but there's a big learning curve. Very few people know about this, and so we envisioned setting up a project ECHO for pharmacogenomics, and we found that University of Minnesota has had one, and so we've been learning from them participating in their uh, ECHO project for pharmacogenomics, and once we get this all figured out, we want to go ahead and establish a project ECHO and offer that to first uh, pharmacists uh, throughout the you know, our system, so they can start learning about this and then start offering it then to providers as well. So that's an example of, you know, we get a new model of using uh, digital tools to, you know, help in healthcare.
0: That's amazing to hear, and, and how inspiring a, a way that you can really work with others and then learn from others, too, um, within the healthcare space to, to make a big difference From your perspective, what's next? What are some of the additional investments that you see making? I know you just talked about the, um, on the pharma side, but, you know, are, are there other areas where you see investments and then big growth opportunities for the future?
1: Well, I mean, for precision medicine to work, what we have to do is we have to get patients tested and we have to get their results into the electronic health record and then have them be actionable. And this is a a big challenge, because uh, most genetic test results uh, come to to, uh, whoever ordered the test as a PDF. (laughs) So they're not in the the EHR. And that's become the big challenge, is figuring out how to get laboratories to get their results of the genetic test into a form that can then be loaded into patient's electronic health record. And then once it's in there, it needs to be able to be recognized and acted upon. And that's where algorithms and artificial intelligence will need to come into play because then they can sit there and in the health record develop what we call clinical decision support tools. And so then what would happen is say a patient sees their doctor, they've had testing done and the doctor wants to prescribe a certain drug, and clinical physician support tool would to recognize the patient's genotype versus that drug and put up an alert that says, you may not want to use that medication on this patient. And that could be for a very a very interesting number of different kinds of conditions, not just for uh, pharmacogenomics, which has to do with how the patient metabolizes a drug. It could also be for things like for, say, uh, seizures. It's uh, at this point in time, we now know that epilepsy has hundreds of different genes that can cause it, and once we characterize which gene is malfunctioning in a patient with epilepsy, you can then know that there are certain drugs that would be more effective for that patient rather than just the usual routine drugs, and then conversely, they could know that the usual routine drug you would start with is not going to be of benefit to this patient, and so rather than start that trial and error process, it would alert the physician to go and try a more appropriate drug to start with, and this could be applied to a wide variety of other types of disorders, and so that's really where the the real benefit of uh, genetics in medicine is going to happen if we get to that point. But it's a matter of getting the information, getting patients tested, getting their genetic results into the electronic health record in an actionable way, and then actually have the uh, algorithms for artificial intelligence that can help put the patient's information together with their genotype, and then give advice to the physician.
0: Absolutely, that you know just sounds like an amazing, uh, amazing way to deliver care. And you know how we think about that ideal that you just described. Obviously, it takes a lot to get everything, um, transitioned and, and really be in a space where you know the you're able to leverage the EHR and and um AI appropriately. How far away do you think that we are from a reality you know where where that's possible and where that's being done every day?
1: Well, um, interesting. Um. Geisinger Health System in Pennsylvania started a project called MyCode. And they started off wanting to do a genetic sequencing of 100,000 patients in their health system. And they've exceeded that now. And they did a whole, what we call an exome test on their patients. And then they would identify what abnormalities were found in different genes and what medical action may be. To that, by this point in time, they still haven't achieved nirvana. of uh, this all being in the health record and immediately actionable, uh, but that's they're sort of demonstrating how this can be done. Uh, another place is doing this is North Shore Health in Chicagoland, near where you are. Uh, that started off, I think, 10,000 patients who they did genetic testing on, and then working with uh, some software companies to then get that information into their EHR and then having it become actionable. And once again, that's still a work in progress as well, but that's certainly going along that. And so we, we expect to learn from these uh, other pioneers uh, for us to do this. Uh, for us, for pharmacogenomics, we actually um, are talking with a software company that has done incorporation of pharmacogenomic results into the EHR and has clinical decision support tools built in. So we're looking forward to to meeting with them and figuring out how that works and, you know, perhaps even piloting it. You know, the future is coming. Of course, I kept telling people, I started doing telemedicine for genetics in 1995, that telemedicine was the future. And I kept telling people it was the future. It took the <laughs> pandemic for it to become you know, very commonplace.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully, this transition is much quicker and, and you know, it definitely um, seems like amazing things happening. So, Dr. Flannery, thank you so much for being on the forefront of this and, and sharing, um, you know, what you're doing there at Cleveland Clinic with us today.
1: I'm always happy. As my wife says, like, if we're at a party, if someone asked me about it, I start telling them that telegenic, she said, like, Oh, boy, you're in for it. 45 minutes easily. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Absolutely, definitely. No, it's it's great um, to have, you know, how passionate you are. And that definitely shines through. So um, we really appreciate it. I've had a lot of fun in in, um, talking with you today and just find all of this very fascinating. My pleasure. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks.